Hello and happy Friday. I'm here, uh, Tina, with Bible Ask and my friends Jane Wendy, here to answer your Bible questions live this week. Uh, we want to remind all of our viewers here on Facebook, on um, on <laughs> YouTube, and on Twitch uh, that we are here live now. So we want to welcome you to our program and ask, you know, if you have any questions or comments that you want to share here with us um, now on our live show, please feel free to do so. Give us a shout out. Tell us hi and how you're doing. Uh, Jane, Wendy, how are you guys doing this evening? Pretty good. It's been quite a week. I'm glad I... Uh... Yeah, on Wednesday, I thought it was Thursday, so it's, it was one of those weeks. <laughs> so we're glad it's Friday, and yes. we can take a break and have some rest. <laughs> Amen. TGIF. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm so glad you guys are here with us, and I'm glad that all of our viewers are here joining us this Friday, and we just want to, again, welcome you all to our live Bible show. And I want to make two quick announcements. I know we actually have quite a few questions this week, but I want to say two quick things um, that our director was um, asking us to share about. Uh, the first thing is we just want to, um, first of all, ask uh, or um, let you guys know that we've actually, as a ministry on BibleAsk.org, we've actually grown and expanded into other languages. Uh, a lot of our content um, is not only in English now, we have thousands of questions answered in English. So if you go to BibleAsk.org, you'll find thousands of answers to Bible questions there. Um, but we're actually expanded into French, Arabic, and Hindi. So our friends in India um, can hear the gospel as well. And what we're wanting to do is actually expand now even further into Spanish. So if you feel um, so moved by the Holy Spirit, you know, to help us with this project, please go to BibleAsk.org and go to the donate section so that um, you can help us fund this new upcoming project as we try to expand the gospel into Spanish at, at this point in time. And we just want to um, also make a quick announcement that um, we uh, <laughs> ah, we are just, um, again, wanting you to um, ask your questions uh, live on our website. So if you go to BibleAsk.org forward slash live, um, you can go ahead and submit your questions there and uh, you can hear them right on the show. All right, or so if you're joining us right now, feel free to drop them in the comments yes, and we'll yes. answer it tonight. You won't have to wait. <laughs> That's right. But if you want them next week for the show or as a spotlight on the show, we are more than happy to answer your questions. And so we just want to make sure you guys know how to get to um, that link. So again, it's BibleAsk.org forward slash live. So without further ado, um, let's open with a quick word of prayer before we dive into God's word. Uh, Jay or Wendy, you want to pray? Sure. Heavenly uh, Father, just thank you right now for this end of the week or bringing us to the weekend and um, for this opportunity to just fellowship to dig into your word and and better understand you we pray that your spirit be with us that we may speak the truth and nothing but the truth and each of the viewers and help them to uh, receive what special message you want them to receive and all this Lord, we pray in the name of your son jesus amen 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 so Wendy, All right. yeah, what did we get? Let's dive into our first question for this evening. Danae, I believe is how it's pronounced, 
is asking, I want to know how often Jesus Christ comes in everybody's life. Wow, Danae, that's a really good question. I really like that one because I think that's very relevant um, to our day to day life. Um, and just thinking about, you know, when, how often does Jesus, you know, kind of make himself apparent or real? And like, if you look in the Bible, there's so many stories where, um, you know, some people like God came like in one very clear instance. Um, like you think about, well, I guess there's multiple times, but you think about Moses with a burning bush. Like that was one very clear instance where God, you know, revealed himself um, to Moses. Whereas you have other people like Samuel, who when he was sleeping, this voice kept say, saying, Samuel, Samuel. And he, he didn't know it was God's voice, but God was calling him even though, you know, three times and he didn't know who it was until the third time he had to ask the priest Eli. And, you know, so I think God and or Jesus, who is God, uh, he reveals himself in our lives all the time. Um, and but it's really up to us as much as we're um, willing to listen um, to know uh, when Jesus is trying to reveal himself to us. And when, you know, I thought, when I think of this question, I can't help but think of a verse in Acts chapter 17 and verses 24 through 27. And we can go there really quick just to, to take a look at what God's word says. Um, and it says in Acts 17, 24, that God that made or who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. And to verse 25, it continues. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives life to all breath and all things. So God's not really, you know, confined to something like a temple. He's not confined to a certain place of worship. Um, God is kind of everywhere. And if you keep uh, reading in verse 26 of Acts 17, um, let's see if we can get it back on the screen. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell in all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So God made everybody. Everyone is um, basically one, we're one blood. We're one family of God. You know, there's everybody's created equal. And really the, the epitome of what I'm saying is in the last verse here in verse 27. And it reads, and he, oh, excuse me, and he's made from all blood. <laughs> so in verse 27, it says, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might, might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So it's really up to us to seek the Lord. Um, and it says that he's not far from every one of us. Every single person is valuable to God. And God is desiring to be close to every single one. But we have to seek him because God is a God of choice. You know, he didn't create us all as robots. He gave us free will. And he desires us to seek him so that um, he, we can build a relationship with him. And that's when he reveals himself to us. And, um, you know, like it says in Jeremiah 29, um, verses 18 and 19, seek the Lord um, with all your heart and, you know, and he'll, you'll find him when you seek him with all your heart. And so God is calling us to seek him 
And as soon as we seek him, he is very, very um, near to us. And it also says in the Bible, draw near to the Lord and um, he will draw near to you. So God is always there. There's never a time God's not with you, not trying to reveal himself to you. But really, it's um, it's kind of up to us to kind of make that other step in, you know, seeking God and, and um, being close to him. Jay or Wendy, you have yeah. any other thoughts? Yeah, and, and just touching on that, I just think it cannot be stressed enough that God is always with us. Uh, if we look at Matthew 28, 20, Jesus' parting words before he left is, uh, in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he's never leaving us. One of my favorite Bible verses is uh, Psalm 34, 7. The mm. angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. And so this is how God is. He's always with us. The question is, are we with God? It's our sins that separate God. If you really study the Bible, sin is often compared to, like, if, if walking with God is going a particular way on a path, sinning is dis is insisting that we go a different way god says please walk with me this way and we're like no 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 i want to go this way and then we turn it back on him so yeah so god is in our lives as present as we're willing to let him be in it and there's times where even he'll interject to try to get do an intervention but yeah it's it's really in our hands not not god's as to how often he'll be present amen isn't it interesting too you know how even our understanding of sin has kind of been distorted. Like most of us, most of the world thinks like that, you know, if it, that we have to, I mean, that, that if, if we're going to call ourselves a Christian, we have to be a hundred percent clear of sin in our life and not saying that, you know, we should go on sinning by any means, but like, um, like we all want to say like, oh, we never sin, right? We, we try to follow God. We never sin. And it's like that we see it as this like really horrific thing that like if someone says like, oh, we sinned, then it's like, like, how dare you say that thing? You know, say such a thing of me. But it's like it's so easy to sin, right? Like it's so easy to go away from God's path and not necessarily even realize we're doing it at first. And, you know, that's why we have forgiveness of sin, right? Like that's. I just find it interesting that I don't know if that's making sense, but I, I just yeah. find it interesting how we often perceive it as this thing that other people do, but we don't dare do, you know, but we we're, we're too good for that. Yeah. It's just, that's, that's human nature, right? That's what we're yeah. fighting against. I agree. And I think though, too, that I think we really have a hard time coming to grips with sin in that, you know, accepting like, you know, how sinful we really are. We want to kind of hide mm -hmm. it and present ourselves as one thing. Uh, and, yeah. But really, but, but know, we're all it, messed up. <laughs> we're all, but it's we that very Jesus. thing. It's that very thing that then causes us to not dare stand in the presence of God. Just like Adam and Eve, the moment they sin, now they hide from God. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the problem mm -hmm. with sin is it separates us from God. We can't stand as in his presence then, not because necessarily of his condemnation, but we just realize how perfect he is and how terrible we are. Yeah. 
So we and actually think... have a. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, sorry. I was going to say we have say, some I'm... great comments. Oh, cool, good. I want to hear them. I just was saying really quick. You know, I think that that's so true. Like, of you know, Adam, you know, Jesus had to call him. Where are you? Because Adam left Jesus. Jesus was calling him. And I think that's how it is with us. Jesus is calling us all the time. But are we hiding from God or are we willing to come before him? Um, but yeah, let's yeah. go ahead and hear some comments from our friends. So we have a couple of verses from Landon that I think are spot on. Oh, Landon's usually spot on. Landon is <laughs> <laughs> saying James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Yes. Great. And then he has a second verse. And Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Amen. Yeah, that perfectly sums up what we're talking about. God is always there if we just come back to him. Amen. And you have... Olivia saying amen. <laughs> amen. Thank you, Olivia. We have, you have a special shout out, mm -hmm. Tina. Oh, I do? From a friend. Oh, hi, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Been ages since I've last seen you. Hope you're doing well. Miss you. Aw, thank you, brother. <laughs> uh, my friend Justin Koo. He's a very cool dude. <laughs> and he makes really good content too. If you don't don't know him, you can yeah. check him out on on YouTube. Yeah, so, got some interesting. Thanks for joining things. us, Justin. <laughs> thank you, Justin. I appreciate the the well wishes. I miss you too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dive into our next question. JJ, I'm just going to go with that for the name, says, uh, why do we not explain the first two verses with point pause? First, he made everything, point. Next, the earth was a mess, point. But his spirit moved above the face of the waters. Now, in the third verse is when, according to every translation, God started to organize the world. He then rested after six days. So, do you want to clarify this question? Is there's a lot written there? Can you give a short summary of what that's really the essence of what this is asking? So, first, it's I mean it is a deep. There's a lot of layers, and and um, JJ, you're very observant, and and it's, I'm glad you asked this because I wouldn't know what you're asking if it wasn't for for the fact that I'm I'm personally been trying to translate Genesis one for myself from Hebrew to English. And I'm not some genius. I don't have special training, but I'm just using the resources available on Blue Letter Bible. And you could do that too. And it really transformed my understanding even of, of these verses. So I know what you're talking about. So let's take it from the beginning. How does this, this verse start in Genesis 1? It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens on, and the earth. Is this telling us about one particular creation, and then when we go forward, are we hearing about a different creation? Or is this a summary, a recap of what's about to come? I think that's going to be a part of answering what JJ's asking. So maybe if you're watching right now, what, what do you think? Is uh, In the Beginning God Created, is that a summary, an intro, or is that telling us about one creation, and then we learn about um, additional creations going on. I, I, this is so far over my head. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. So, so yeah. first, let's. Uh, oh, Tina. 
Oh no, I was, I mean, all I was going to say was just, you know, um, when I remember when I took an anthropology class in college and they were suggesting that the Bible has multiple creation stories. And I remember like their explanation of it. And I was just like, no, <laughs> I don't think so. But I, I'm anxious to hear what you have to share about this because um, I definitely heard different sides of this story. Yeah. And you're right. This is something that, that is debated, but um, let's, let's go into history. First, we, we understand Moses was the one, one that wrote this. And was everybody able to read back in those days? Probably not. I know. He, he probably knew how to read and write because he was trained by the Egyptians who had the hieroglyphics. And he was probably one of the first Hebrews to ever know how to write. Uh, heard some fascinating uh, archaeology discussions about that. But what we have here is probably something that's going to be passed on orally. So when you start the story, just think of like how Star Wars starts long, long ago in a country or in a galaxy far, far away. That's sort of setting the stage. I, I think it's the same thing here, too. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that word for heaven is Shemaim. It can mean heaven singular or it can mean heaven plural. And when we think heaven, what do we tend to think of nowadays? Where God lives. Yeah, we tend to think of where God lives and, you know, where the saints would be taken that sort of place. But heaven, most of the time in the New Testament, or Old Testament, sorry, is actually referring to the skies, what we call, yeah, and, and also probably what we call outer space. Um, and the, the Hebrews also had a third heaven, which that's where God's domain was. So they sort of had three levels of hev heaven, sky, outer space, and then God's domain. So we're going to look at the context here of Shemayim, in uh, even in Genesis 1, and it'll answer that. So heavens and the earth, that's Eris, the earth. And that usually is going to mean not what we think. When we think earth, what do we think? Round. We think the planet. The planet. We think planet earth. In the minds of these people, they've, um, back in the day, maybe they understood the earth was round, but... They, nobody really circumnavigated it. You know, they had never launched a satellite and got an imagery of it. So their perspective of what Earth is, is going to be different than what we think it is. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the Earth. If we look at the next verse, Genesis 2, maybe we could put that up. And so, and the Earth, so that's the Eris, again, the, the Hebrew word Eris was void or, and without form, and darkness was over the face of the deep. So now the questioner was, was, J.J. was saying, you know, hey, we're told God created, and now God's showing up, and there's something there, right? It's talking about the earth. It was without form and void, but it was there, uh, right? So it's true that God created before even we get to Genesis verse 2. So there was a creation. It was something was existing, um, but elsewhere we're told God created things that weren't there. And um, if you flash ahead, actually, to Exodus twenty, uh, maybe we could pull that up. Yeah, Exodus twenty verse eleven. It says, "For in six days." 
the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that was with them. And the seventh day, God rested. So earth, sea, and heavens, it said all three were made within seven days or six days. We can feel pretty comfortable then that Genesis 1 does sort of encapsulate that there was a creation before we got to Genesis 1 verse 2. There was water so that God passed over it. But technically the the earth was still unformed. It was void. Think of it like Play-Doh that a kid just takes out of the Play-Doh um, holder. And if you go up to kid and ask, what is this? He'll say, it's nothing. Right? I mean, it's Play-Doh, but it's nothing. It hasn't been formed. It hasn't been shaped. Same concept here. The earth was just covered. Earth, as we call it, was covered in water. You know, the presence of God passed over the deep. Um, that it, same word as abyss in the New Testament, when it talks about the bottomless pit, uh, that's, that's the same terminology there that it's talking about. So the earth in its un, unbuilt, uncreative form, in a sense, is just this big ball of, of water. And then, and, and then if we go on to the next verse in Genesis 3, what do we see? Maybe you could put that up. Sorry, Genesis 1, verse 3. God said, let there be light. light. So it was darkness. Now he's bringing light. Um, the person who asked the question talked about, in a sense, that the earth was chaotic. And that's true. It was maximum entropy, what we would call today, right? Maximum uh chaos because nothing was formed nothing was shaped it's just you let something just fizzle down if you empty a cup of water and just spills over that's sort of your maximum entropy and light and energy is kind of opposite of entropy now god's bringing order into it and this order is going to keep going the next the next thing god creates is going to be he separates the waters so there was already a lot of water but now god puts water up in the heaven and god puts water down at the bottom and one he calls sky, but what he but that verse uh, that says sky, that word actually is Shemayim that we talked about earlier, that we use for heaven. So he's calling the sky heaven, and then the lower part or or the firmament he calls it. Like there's this vault, something holding it up. They actually believed uh, that there was. Um, lots of water above them, and they thought more like an aquarium. Imagine having a giant aquarium above your head, you know, and the, and the word, you know, if that thing sprung a leak, how disastrous that would be. And so when it, when the flood comes around, oh no, this is terrible. That aquarium over our heads now has sprung a leak. They probably panicked on a level that we would, can't even comprehend. To just bring one leak, it, it's spraying a million leaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all at once and then just pouring down. So, um, I don't, so we get to now the third day of creation and that's when God separates the waters from the earth, the dry land. That's what I was really talking about. So when we go back to Genesis one and it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What it's really talking about is in the beginning, God, during that time, God created the sky, outer space. And he created the dry land. It's not specifying when God actually created the waters. 
but as I mentioned, Exodus, Exodus 20, verse 1, does say in six days God created the heavens and the earth and the waters, or sorry, and the sea. And if you go to Revelation 14, 7, similarly, it talks about how God created the, the heavens, the earth, the sea, the fountains of water. So when, when exactly was the water created? It, the fair guess is it was within those seven days of creation. But we're not given those words. We're not told about how that came about. We're just, we start off with the, the ball of water existed, that ball of potential that was in darkness, and then God brought it into light. God formed it, he shaped it, made it what is it, it is. And it's that sort of parallel to then how God takes dirt, forms Adam, makes him what he is. Or how he takes us, how we're broken, we're in darkness, and he brings us into light and shapes us. Yeah. And just, if I could just add, um, just to kind of go along with what you're saying, um, you know, that kind of reminds me, because um, just, because I, I think I'm under, what I'm understanding is, you know, some people think that, you know, was the beginning, you know, the beginning of, of the, you know, everything, the heaven, you know, heaven where God lives and the earth, you know, the earth where we live, like that was the beginning of everything. And I, I think based on what you're saying is, you know, no, there was already something in existence. It was just at the beginning of, of our world or our earth is kind of, um, what Genesis chapter one is talking about. Um, and if you look at like Proverbs chapter eight, it's talking about Jesus. And it says in verse 22, it says, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. So before the earth, um, Jesus was in existence with the father. And in verse 23, it says, I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was. Uh, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills were brought forth. Um, and, oh, let's pause that right there. See, that's mm -hmm. great right there where it says before there are even depths. So uh, right there, that's talking about the waters that existed, that abyss, that chaotic mess of waves and, and everything. And and that right there is showing, yeah, there was a time when that didn't exist. God exactly. brought it into existence. That's exactly. great. So just um, to kind of, you know, uh, give, you know, we're, in, we're two or three witnesses, <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah, and, and I see that the director is pointing out when, uh, when, when. So there's a time that these things happen and there's succession of time. And, you know, before all these things, God existed and God had works of old that we don't even know about. So, um, you know, definitely there's more to this universe than God's creation that we can even, we can't even imagine. And I can't wait till we get to heaven and get to see a lot of things. You know, uh, God says, you know, I has not seen nor ear heard what the Lord has prepared for them that love him. And I can't wait to see it. Amen. So I think, do we want to jump into our next question? And we're, we're yes. time yep. is flying. Yes. I'm going to have to start keeping closer eye on well. the time here. All right. So this question is from Robert, who is asking, I had a dream. I was in the grocery store and in the frozen food section, a particular person came around the corner and told me not to eat this certain brand of frozen bread that appeared to be a healthy version. Instead, he pointed to a different brand of bread and said, eat of this instead. What do you think this possibly means? Well, my friend Robert, I will tell you something. 
there's um, two ways um, I could answer this because I'm not sure, you know, sometimes dreams are from the Lord. That's definitely true. We see that in the life of Joseph. We see that in the life of Mary, obviously. And, you know, um, Joseph, the mother, uh, excuse me, the husband of Mary, who is the stepfather of Jesus, as well as Joseph in the Old Testament, who had the dreams and interpreted dreams. Um, so dreams can definitely mean something very important. They can definitely be from God. Um, but also, um, I want to point you to a verse um, in uh, Ezekiel, oh, excuse me, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 9. And it reads in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 8. I apologize. <laughs> Chapter five, excuse me, chapter five, five, verse three. If I could um, remember where I'm going, that would be probably pretty good too. Ecclesiastes chapter five and verse three. And it reads, for a dream comes through much activity and a fool's voice is known by his many words. So basically what the Bible is saying here is that it, another version or the King James version reads it as, in the midst of much busyness, um, dreams come. So basically, if you've got a lot going on in your life, um, a dream comes through the multitude of business. Exactly. So there's, if you've got a lot going on, you're just thinking about stuff, you're worried about stuff, you've just got all these you know, pressures and stresses going on, things might pop up in your dreams that are just weird. <laughs> and so it might just be that, you know, or you could have just eaten too close before bed. You know, so sometimes dreams don't mean anything. But if you're kind of remembering this and you're feeling like maybe this is from God, um, you know, so this person and, um, you know, who maybe is a religious leader or person is telling you, you know, don't eat this bread, eat a different bread. It could be, you know, that God is trying to tell you, hey, you know, through this person, you know, bread in the Bible is a symbol of the word of God. You know, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Uh, he says that in Matthew chapter four. And so, um, you know, maybe God's trying to direct you to, you know, a better, a better source of God's word. And so if that's what you're feeling, you, you know, maybe that's kind of what's going on. You know, I would definitely take it to God in prayer and say, Lord, you know, am I really hearing the truth from, you know, the pastor that I'm listening to or the church I'm attending or, you know, some other, you know, spiritual leader that I, I have in my life? You know, is there a better way? Is there more, you know, truth out there that I haven't experienced yet? I haven't tasted yet. And so I would suggest, you know, take it to God in prayer, um, study your Bible and ask God to give you more light and lead you to more truth, because that's his will is for us to come to the full knowledge of the son of God. Um, and so, um, you know, if you're feeling like, you know, there's something deeper about this dream where God's, you know, trying to direct you to something better for your life. Um, absolutely. And if it's bread, you know, a healthier bread, a better bread, you know, that would definitely be a symbol of God is trying to lead you to greater and greater truth. And so I would, you know, be open to God's leading through his Holy Spirit. And I would definitely um, dedicate time in your life, you know, first thing in the morning or whenever you have, um, time set aside uh, to just study God's word and, you know, see what God has um, uh, hidden there for you. 
I, I can't help but think of the verse that says, you know, there's great and wonderful things I've found that I've seen out of thy law. And so, you know, God wants to teach you rich and beautiful things, but it takes, um, it takes your time and attention to do that. Beautiful. So we have an, imp an interpreter in our midst. Uh, Landon offers a oh. possible explanation of the dream. It means you need <laughs> a membership. <laughs> I agree. Everybody needs that. Yeah, Landon, I, th I think that's not a good We're idea. We're not affiliated any way with Costco. No. <laughs> Thank you, though, Land. <laughs> so, yeah, shall we jump into our next question, unless you guys have any other thoughts? Yeah, let's go ahead into our next question. And unfortunately, we're going to have to reorientate to a totally different mood right now. Okay. All right. So the next question Roland is asking, is suicide a sin? I think that there are suicides in the Bible. So, Roland, first, I surely hope you've not lost anybody to suicide or that you're contemplating it. I mean, obviously, uh, there's, I think, few things more sad and tragic than someone to get to a point where they just don't want to live anymore. They mm -hmm. feel so hopeless, um, just what are suffering so much that they feel that's the only way out. So uh, our heart goes out to you if that's the case. But it's a good question, and lots of people struggle with this. Mm -hmm. uh, let's start first with, is it a sin? And that could be answered with Exodus 20, verse 13. Maybe we could put that up and Wendy, you could read that. It would be a doozy of a verse. You shall not murder. So as we've been talking about even in prior weeks, the the Ten Commandments are illustrated illustrative of larger points. So even if you think murder doesn't apply to yourself, What's the greater point? I mean, life is precious. Even your own mm -hmm. life is precious. And to take that is a sin because, you know, if you love God and are saying God loves you, you will want to let him to continue to love you and you will want to be in his presence and you will want to continue loving everybody around you. So mm -hmm. that's sort of where love falls into why sin is, or a murder of self is a sin. And Honestly, though, all of us are probably guilty of this. We're all doing things that are taking tolls on our body. We're not exercising mm -hmm. like we should. We're letting ourselves be more stressed than we should. We're not eating like we should. So, uh, again, this is not necessarily something that only people commit suicide necessarily are guilty of. But, yeah. And, and uh, as we, we talked earlier, like, we're all guilty of sins. Like, we don't even know half the sins we're guilty of, most likely. I mean, the Bible says we're born into sin, right? So... Mm -hmm. Like, I think we have to be careful how we treat the word sin and understand that, like, yes, yeah, sin is bad, but, like, doesn't mean that we can't have a relationship with God. Yeah, exactly. And God understands our circumstances. I mean, yeah. Jesus came in the flesh, in human flesh, experienced everything we experienced, mm -hmm. all the temptations. So it means he was even tempted to commit suicide. I mean, think about it. One of the temptations yeah. from uh, from Satan was, you know, just jump off this cliff. I mean, God will protect you, but, right. you know, that would have been presumptuous suicide, mm -hmm. which then goes into the next point. Not all suicides are the same. And the Bible has some examples, which uh, 
which uh, he asked for, a uh, Roland asked for. So first, Judges 16.30. Mm. Let's take a look there. Judges 16.30. I think this is one of the first suicides, one of the most famous suicides, I would say, in the Bible. Do we have that first? Maybe our director is occupied. <laughs> He's juggling a lot. So here it is. All right. So then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might and the temple fell on the Lord, uh, on the, on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the, the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. So did Samson kill himself? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> did he call him, cause himself to die? Yeah, I yeah, mean, and that, yeah. His action led to his death, but was it for the purpose of you know just robbing himself of life because he didn't want to feel pain anymore? No. Yeah. That, sorry. Exactly. So, <laughs> so that gets into our all suicides the same. I mean, let, let's contrast that now to First Samuel thirty-one, mm -hmm. starting at verse four. And this is now talking about King Saul. Mm -hmm. Flash forward to the, into the future a little bit after Samson. 1 Samuel 31, 4 to 5. And, and it, a little bit of background. Saul is in this battle against the Philistines. He's losing horribly. The day before, he was also prophesied by the witch that he was going to die. So oh, go ahead, put it back up. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore, Saul took a sword and fell on it. And if you read the next verse, the armor bearer also. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fall, fell on his sword and died with him. So we have two suicides here. And... Are these commendable in any way, or would we say these were probably sinful, sinful suicides? Yeah. But, but even more so, is it, here was the suicide, I mean, I, I guess I can't, I don't know how to frame the question, but I, I'll just make the point. Really, this suicide seemed to be just the culmination of a, of a life that went down to a trajectory of sin. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what's so fascinating about the story of Saul, because it, it almost shows you where he starts going wrong. And it's always when he chooses not to obey, he wants to go his own way, do his own thing. And it just has this trickle effect, ending with him becoming unhappy, turning to uh, spirits for um, guidance, you know, and feeling like God has rejected him. And then he takes his own life when mm -hmm. he feels hopeless. And, you know, I think what's important to point out here is the, the the question says I think there are, that there are suicides in the Bible, and I think it's really important to understand that um, just because something is in the Bible doesn't mean it's it's a recommendation by God. A lot of things in the Bible <laughs> yeah. are there to teach us lessons and of it, what yeah. we, you know, of, it, of what what to stay away from. Also, and that's the point of Saul, exactly, because right. he kept going down the wrong path, doing his own thing, and look where he ended and up. And it ended up where he he okay. couldn't face the world anymore; was too afraid to face the world. And, anymore. and what was about to happen? Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's and it's tragic. It's because mm -hmm. that's not you know God doesn't want people to to 
to take their own life. No. He wants he wants us to turn from our separation from him yeah. and turn to him and and that's why Paul's story is so tragic because God tried so hard so many times and mm -hmm. Paul was still so insistent of going his own way. Uh, and I'm not trying to... Sorry, Saul, yeah. And I'm not trying to <laughs> say this is a case for everybody who's committed suicide. Mm -hmm. I mean, there might be people who have never heard the gospel the right way, never right. known there's a God they can turn to. Mm -hmm. um, or uh, like Winnie and I have done a documentary on mental health where we filmed over 100 interviews for it. Mm -hmm. And we saw consistently time and time and time again, people testifying about how they would have voices in their head telling them to just kill themselves. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. I think we had five people at least tell us mm -hmm. that happened to them. This voice telling them just end it all. Mm -hmm. And that voice I would say is none other than mm -hmm. Satan. Because yeah, he wants true. people to feel hopeless, despair, mm -hmm. that there's no hope and, yeah. and take it. And that, and that's, you know, that's not God's voice. We have to, you know, that's the most important thing to understand is that wherever that comes from, like, it is not God's voice that's exactly. telling, you know, that's telling people and, to do that. And does God understand when someone's heard that voice, felt mm -hmm. hopeless, that there's no way out and ends their life? Yeah, God understands that. God, God knows all things. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that... A person who committed suicide will never ever make it to heaven. I don't buy that. I don't think there's anything mm -hmm. there that really says that will always be the case. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you have times. <laughs> maybe you disagree, Tina, but I oh, don't no, want. No. <laughs> I don't think we can judge people and say, "Oh, this person's last act was was murder of themselves and their sinner and and mm -hmm. not going to make it to heaven." I don't believe yeah, that. No. I, I just want to reiterate um, what you guys are saying is, you know, there's always two voices and it's always Jesus and the devil. And, you know, it says in John 10, 10, it says that, but the thief comes, but to kill, steal and destroy. The devil only mm. wants to kill you, steal your joy and destroy you. That is the devil's Amen. purpose. And he might do it in a sneaky mm -hmm. way. Um, but Jesus says, but I have come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. And so I just want to share, you know, if anybody out there is feeling hopeless or feeling suicidal or feeling like, you know, there's just, you know, no purpose and they're hearing these voices that are telling them just end it all. There's no purpose, you know, mm -hmm. horrible things. And believe me, I'm somebody who struggled with depression in my life and, you know, God has shown me a better way. And it's been God's love that's changed my heart and changed my life in such a dramatic mm -hmm. way. Honestly, if you knew me, so many years ago, you wouldn't recognize me. Um, I was never happy. <laughs> I, was, I never smiled. Mm -hmm. I never laughed. I had no joy. But God has given me joy because Jesus came into my life and he's given me a life more abundant. Um, and I, I know that voice of the devil that's telling you, you know, you're worthless, you're stupid, you, you're nothing. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says, no, no, no. I died for you. You have value. My eternal life, I'm, I've given up for you because I love you. And, you know, no matter what the mm -hmm. devil says, Jesus's truth um, definitely wants to speak through those lies and, and give you hope and give you a hope in a future, um, which he promises you through his, his blood. Yep. And I know we have some comments, I think, from our, our viewers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's let's so we read that. Landon, Landon has a comment. Oh, start with those. Olivia. Olivia. So yeah. God is the answer to all our problems. There is hope in him. Amen. Amen to that. 
And Landon is saying, uh, Ecclesiastes 7.17, Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And mm-hmm. honestly, I think sometimes we get, just to go with that verse, sometimes we get so confused, like, you know, about, you know, what, what to do with our lives. And we just kind of need someone to be like, hey, you still have life. You still have hope. You still have some things. Don't go before there could be good in the future. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Um, you know, I think so many times we just get so focused on the negative stuff going on today in our lives and we mm-hmm. don't see beyond, you know, that darkness. And but God has, you know, something beyond that. And so I'm sorry, was there another comment from Landon? Yeah, Landon has yeah, a, was... I really like his next one. <laughs> My two right. favorite verses for suicide are these Psalms 34, 17 to 20. Yes. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves their the crushed in spirit. And this part right there, I mean, we were just talking about, you know, how how does God appear in people's lives? Here it says God is when you're brokenhearted, you, when you're feeling most hopeless, that's probably when God is the closest to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Many mm-hmm. are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Amen. And then, oh, the next one is your favorite verse, Wendy. <laughs> one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that is one of uh, the most important verses, I think, to hang on to when we feel like life is hopeless, life is useless, it has no merit. You know, that's, that is a lie because God's promise is that uh, he has plans to give us a future and hope and uh, he is faithful and sometimes we hit those rock bottom points and I've been there myself I was there at a young age and um, I've had times trials in more recent years and it but no matter what we go through God's promise is that he has a plan for us. And if we hang on to that, then we can make it through those deepest of trials. Mm-hmm. And and I know what it's like to feel like you can't function in life and you can't like um, be of use. And, and, but God has a plan to get us through and he does. And he's done that for me. And I've seen him do it for so many other people. And, um, that is such an important thing to hang mm-hmm. on to, to just wait it out, <laughs> just mm-hmm. wait it out. And the, and the time will come. <clears throat> and Amen. then, uh, Fatty says, God is good. Let us give him a chance. Absolutely. Amen to that. And Amen. there's actually, I think one more suicide and it's actually a good, uh, that's actually well, we talked about the suicide for others, which actually Jesus did himself also. He says, I, I lay down my life. Mm-hmm. And there's no greater love than this than then that a man lay down his life for his friend. But why did he do but, it? To save yes, exactly. everyone else. <laughs> so I'm saying that in a sense, a, 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 a suicide mission for the benefit of others can be a, a good thing, right? Because you're not valuing your, yourself over others. But there actually is another suicide that is good. And in fact, we're all called to do. As Paul says, I die daily. And in mm-hmm. Romans 6, 3 to 9, he talks about how, um, 
you know, do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Mm -hmm. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, with Christ, that the body of sin might be put away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Mm -hmm. For if he, he who has died has been set free from sin, sorry, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we die with Christ, we shall believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. Mm -hmm. So I think it's natural for us to want to die. We want to kill ourselves. Sin is so horrible. We made so many mistakes. And guess what? Bible says you have a way out. You can't commit suicide. You should, in a sense, spiritually through Christ, die on the cross. Just imagine your old self dead, especially when you go through the act of, of um, baptism. God's given us a ceremony to go through where you could say, I have died to my old self. That person is gone. I now am a new person starting with a clean slate. And just co contrast God to modern day cancel culture, you know, where someone made one mistake or said one bad thing even a few years ago, and now we're told, you know, this person has to be shunned and never forgiven. That's totally contrary mm -hmm. to God. God says, I want you to always start with a new slate. You can do it on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You're not your past. You can be mm -hmm. a new creation in Christ today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, the important thing to understand is that this isn't a... Um, this isn't a death of our physical body. This mm -hmm. is a death of our, uh, old way of thinking. Our inappropriate desires. Yeah, thinking. What, yeah death your of our attitudes, yeah. your desires. Exactly. But also I think it, it's, it is just mentally accepting that, that old you, your decisions, the way you were in the past can be, you can detach from that. Yes. You're yes. not your past. That's, yeah. And it's like, like when you face something that, you know, you shouldn't be doing, you, you have that strong temptation that you, you know, um, this isn't good for me, but I'm used to doing it. Right. And to, to take, to resist that, to say, you know, I'm not going to, uh, go down that route anymore. I, I want something different. I want God's mm -hmm. path. Like when you're, when you're facing that and you're making that choice, like, it can make you physically sick. You can feel like you're going to die in that process. But that's the process that we're supposed to die in. That's the process where we're supposed to hold on and fight that, resist that, even to the point that it it kills that way of thinking. It, it makes it so painful that we don't ever want to go back there again. And so, you know, we, we have to fight that and resist that and 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 go through that mm -hmm. exactly so and i think you know oh. it's oh sorry just really quick. <laughs> no, i was just gonna say sorry just to give you um you know our viewer um two promises in that regard you know the first is you know first john 1 9 that says if we confess our sins he god is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness mm -hmm. so no matter what you've done no matter how far you think you are from god um 
as long as you come to him, he is more than happy to forgive us and cleanse us and make us new. And it says in Galatians 2.20 that I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the grace of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So don't forget, God always um, accepts you with open arms. Jesus says, any man that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Jesus is always standing there with open arms, ready to embrace you. He loves you and he's got a purpose for your life. And he has a new life that he wants to live in you. And um, there's beautiful things ahead. Indeed. Amen. Thank you uh, for sharing those verses. Yes. All right. In the interest of time, we need to keep moving on. But we got a related topic. <laughs> related question Jean is asking when a body is cremated how does God call the bodies from the ground so again I could tell here Jean that you might have lost somebody in struggling so we're we're um, sorry if that is the case um, pray God will give you comfort and I know there's also a lot of Christians who, yeah, struggle. Should we have our remains cremated or loved ones remains cremated? Or mm -hmm. is that going to cause a problem for God? But first, let's start with Hebrews 11, verse 3. And this is touching on what we're talking about earlier. Hebrews 11, verse 3. Maybe Wendy could start reading that. Uh, Hebrews 11, 3 says, By faith we understand that the that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So is this saying that God needs a substance? He needs something already existing to make something else? Like to make something he needs to have, like he needs to build something out Plato. He first has to go buy Plato. It has to already exist. Mm -hmm. Or can he just say, oh, I want Plato. Boom. It's there. Yeah, I agree with Tina. <laughs> God could just speak and boom, something will be there. So Amen. if God says, you know, hey, be risen from the dead, boom, can't someone then be risen in there? Um, if we get concerned about can God recreate someone with the very same molecules, the very same atoms as made up their body when they lived, we're putting the condition of God that God never put on, on himself. In fact, our bodies are probably made out of the same atoms that earlier bodies were made of. So now will God have to pick and choose which atoms will go to which person? You know, it's that's not the restraint God has. In fact, our body is constantly changing over all the cells all the time. I forget mm -hmm. how many times, but you might change your cells, what, six, seven times in your lifetime? Every seven Even years. Even your bones. Yeah. Oh, oh, maybe that's what it is. Every seven years, you replace all the cells in your body. That's what I understand. So, mm -hmm. so there's nothing special about the mass that makes up our bodies. Mm. It's just mm -hmm. water, it's dirt, Carbon. it's clay. <laughs> exactly what we're told in Genesis 1.8, that in God, oh, sorry, um, Genesis 2.7, where it says, mm -hmm. then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, and as well, he became a living being. And if we die, as it says in Ecclesiastes 12.7, then the dust shall return to the earth as it was. So there's, there's no, nothing special there about right. cremation. Right. All right. Let's get into our, is this our last question? Last question. All right. Our last question. Marsha is asking, can you explain Judges 1925? 
Why does God allow this to happen? Seems like when you read the Bible, women are less. Hard to relate with a God that allowed this to happen. Not only did they give her up willingly, the husband was found sleeping. She was being gang raped and he slept. Who is the heavy topic to yeah. uh, end on uh, in our <laughs> short time? But it's a very important topic. So Yeah, I was going to say, we could talk about this one for an hour. Uh, can we bring that verse up? And, and see what that is. What's... So actually, before we go to that, um, I, I want to explain something about the book of Judges. Now, um, to my sister here who's asking this, I totally agree. This is a horrible story. And it's kind of interesting. Like we're talking about, you know, there's things in the Bible, um, like you see the suicide of Saul or you see the suicide of um, Judas Iscariot. Now, these are not examples of things that God promotes. These are stories to, you know, learn from it and to keep it from happening again in your life. You know, this is not God's will for any of us to suffer, to perish, to, you know, to, to go through these horrible things. And when it comes to the book of Judges, um, it's definitely a, an interesting book. Now, there's a verse I want to show you before we get into chapter 19 that kind of summarizes what was going on in Israel during this time. Now the book of Judges is called Judges because there was no king in Israel. Israel was just kind of loosely governed by judges or these, you know, people that were wise that people would go to whenever they were um, having issues. And um, if you go to Judges chapter 17 and verse six, this kind of summarizes the essence of the, the world that people were living in back in that time. And in Judges chapter 17, verse 6, I'll just go ahead and read it. Um, it says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. So there was really no structure or leadership. And it says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So people, there was, I'm going to say it was anarchy, but it was definitely this weird time of just like, there wasn't like a police force. There wasn't, you know, structure. There wasn't, you know, you were just kind of left to do what you thought was right. And, and it applied in that too, is they're not doing what was right in God's eyes. No, yes, exactly. <laughs> they were doing what was right in their eyes. They're like, well, I think this is good for me. So this is what I want to do. And there was no king. There was no, mm -hmm. you know, justice system to kind of enforce, you know, um, martial or, you know, laws basically that we would you know, understand today. Like today, if you, you know, somebody is robbing you, you would call the police, somebody would come help you. Back then there was nobody to do that. It was just kind of like you, you're kind of vulnerable and you're just kind of at the mercy of, you know, the guy who's bigger than you. And so when it comes to the story in, in Judges 19, it's kind of an interesting story. And it, um, you do need to see some of the context of what was going on. So this man, basically it just says, you know, um, a Benjaminite, uh, or a Levite, excuse me. Um, it doesn't say his name. Um, if you go to Judges chapter 19, um, verse one, and it says, and it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel. So it, it keeps reiterating in this book, there was no king, like there was no structure, there was no authority, um, that there was a certain Levite sojourning in the land in the mountain of Ephraim who took to him a concubine out of Bethlehem, Judah. So um, basically the context is that, you know, this Levite, which was, you know, a man of God, basically, was, um, or, you know, at least a person who lived in Israel, took to him a concubine. So he was basically marrying this girl. Um, and if you go to verse two, it kind of tells you what kind of girl this was. And it says, and his concubine 
concubine played the whore against him. So she was cheating on him. She was not doing the right thing. He, or she played the harlot against him and went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah and was there for four whole months. So basically, um, this woman was, you know, not a righteous woman. She was just doing whatever she felt like, which was, you know, to cheat on her husband. And um, I'll summarize the basics of the chapter is that, you know, he goes and, you know, out to, to be with her because he's like, hey, I married you. I love you. Come back to me. Um, you know, he didn't want to divorce her. He wanted to make things right. He wanted to fix their relationship. And, you know, once they get there, basically there's like this back and forth between him and her dad where he's like, oh, don't leave. You know, basically, I think he just knew she, you know, she just wanted to keep messing around or whatever she was doing there in, in Bethlehem, Judah. And, you know, he's finally just like, no, I want to take my wife home. We, we need to go. We, we need to not be here. You know, she's, this is where she's getting into mischief. And I, you know, this is a wrong relationship. And it kind of symbolized what was going on with God's people as a woman. God's people are always symbolized as a woman, like you see in Revelation 12 and Revelation 17, <laughs> either a good woman being, you know, God's righteous church or Romans 17 being an unholy church, um, or, you know, basically apostate church. And so you see that, you know, she's cheating on her husband and he finally just says, you know, we got to go home. And on the way home, basically, um, he, you know, he finds, or he's taken in by this man who, you know, doesn't want him staying out in the street. And, um, and at that time, some, you know, dirty men come and they are like, Hey, we want to, you know, a, sexually assault the man they actually wanted the levite and so um it's just kind of a terrible story where that man who took in the levite and and his concubine to you know protect them says hey like i don't want you to you know rape this man which is what the the men in the city were asking to do you know that's what they felt like doing and he said no don't do it you know take one of these you know take anything else but don't you know don't sodomize this man that's wrong and um so Sounds like a, a lot like what happened with lot in sodom gomorrah exactly and so what ended up happening is not his not her not the levite uh, not her husband but that other man just threw the concubine out of the house and those evil men yes they indeed raped her throughout the night and in the morning she came to the you know to the back to the door and yeah it's terrible because it says he awoke. And died yeah, and she died um, because they abused her so badly. And, you know, it is a horrible story. And it's kind of weird how the story ends in the end of the chapter, which it, what happens is that that Levi, he ends up cutting her into 12 pieces and sends her to the 12 tribes of Israel and says, look what we've come to. Look where we're at. This is what has become of my wife. Even though she was a harlot, I still loved her. I still took her in. And the men in Bethlehem, these are supposedly, you know, so God's people, this is not like they were out in the Gentile land. No, they were in, they were in Israel and this horrible thing happened to her and it was not right. And mm -hmm. basically this story is sent out as a message to God's people. Think about where you're going. Think about what you're doing. And, you know, cause one sin gone unchecked has knows no bounds. 
And if you keep on this path of just one sin, it leads to the next, it leads to the next till you don't even recognize yourself anymore. Like these are supposed to be God's people. And yet they were horrible men who raped and murdered an innocent, I mean, a woman who to them was innocent. They had no right to do that to her. And so, and this always led to the entire tribe of Benjamin being wiped out. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, it's horrible. It, it's a horrible, horrible story. But it's there again for that lesson of just because you're in a church, just because you're taking the name of God, unless you are connected to God, unless you are obedient to his will, you will lose control over yourself. You need to have a king sit on the throne of your heart, which is Jesus. Because even if you claim the name of Christ, but if he doesn't live in you, you're going to end up doing horrible things that you are definitely going to regret and it'll definitely hurt other people. So mm-hmm. sister, I hear you. It is a terrible story <laughs> and I don't like reading it. And I wish it wasn't in the Bible because I know it happened, but it's there for an example for as a warning to God's people to be careful of, you know, the person you allow yourself to become. Because again, mm-hmm. just because you're in a church doesn't mean everybody there is thinking holy thoughts and doing holy things. Uh, we all need to keep ourselves in check, no matter what our position is, no matter who we are. Um, we need to stay connected to Christ and to be obedient to him and not just do whatever is good in our own sight or whatever we feel like. We have to, you know, submit ourselves to the true king, the king of kings and to his will, which will keep ourselves safe and keep us protecting each other um, from the sin that, you know, wants to live in us. I'm sorry, Jay, Wendy, do you have any other thoughts on this one? Yeah. So, uh, Marsha also seems to be struggling with uh, this concept, too, of, you know, why does God allow, instead, women to be treated as second-class citizens, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to go through this and, and just turn his back on it? And I just want to briefly address that. If we look at Genesis 3.16, um, God is pronouncing what's, you know, considered the, the curses, and he says to Eve, I will gratefully greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain you shall bring forth children your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you so some people think this is god giving the right to men to rule over women but what i think really going on is god's now saying this is what the future is going to be like for you eve and because of sin now being in the world men are now going to dominate and and rule over women and you're not going to have this co-equal relationship that he, God, had originally intended. You know, that's a function of sin. We brought sin into the world. You know, God is waiting eagerly for the day when he can wipe it out. Um, but that's in the world right now. And so this is a consequence of it. Because we're sinful human beings. Mm-hmm. We have inequalities left and right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the man versus woman inequality is one of those that we see in the world today. That's not what God wants. He not He's not turning his back on it, but he has. He's allowing sin to show its its utter sinfulness, mm-hmm. as he did with the Benjamin Benjamin mites who just gang raped that poor woman, mm-hmm. like that. He because of that, it revealed how horribly sinful that whole society had become. Mm-hmm. And um, and go look at God Jesus in person and how he treated women, and he always treated them with respect mm-hmm. with the utmost respect very yeah. very kind very endearing um you know if men would always come and put them down he always lifted those women up mm-hmm. up and yeah. so that is the true example of how god is with regard to women yep. 
And it's not this concept of a God who wants some second class citizens. That's not the God of the Bible. And it goes back to what we said earlier that God, you know, things in the Bible are not all recommendations for how things are supposed to be. Exactly. A lot of them are recommend are our story illustrations. illustrations of what happens when we separate from God, when we go against his plan, when we go our own way and encourage society to go its own way. So uh yeah, it's um it's very interesting how mm-hmm. how that happens and you know what what those those stories stories tell us and it's so important that we get them in the right light and read and understand them in the right light to under to understand that and recognize it so yeah it's a very powerful um story that uh you know if we saw today um somebody uh, throwing a woman out of their home to rapist like we would think that was the most horrific thing because it is and um and uh you know, we see that already illustrated in the Bible and we see what caused that to happen there. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can see that today as well, that what causes those things to happen is, again, people just deciding to go their own way and not exactly not not follow God's way. So God's not going to intervene all the time to stop <laughs> us from the evil of people around us. Sometimes right. he does. Often he does. But right. not all the time. And and we'll we'll understand why, as Tina says, you know, when yes. we get when we get to heaven, we'll we'll understand all these things better. Yes, absolutely. Wow, a lot yeah. of tough topics today. Yeah, very <laughs> no, heavy. No mark of the beast today, but really, really profound topics that yeah. affect all of us today. And, and I think they're super important topics. Like you know, it, a lot of people want will open the Bible and just talk about all the good stuff in it and say you know, um, just, just, you know, be good and do good and good things happen. And, you know, it's so, it, it doesn't, um, they and you got to put on a happy face all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't really get to helping people with the realities, yeah. the difficult realities of life. And so, um, I really appreciate these questions that come in, even though they are difficult, even though they are, um, complex they and and hard sometimes to digest and work through but Mm -hmm. but at the same time like that's the truth that says it's free that's the truth that like when we recognize that and we see these realities for what they are that something so simple is just is just doing what we want to do without regard to uh whether that's what god would want us to do or not it leads down these paths and so um, it helps us see the end when we make decisions that might seem frivolous on the surface and um, how important it is for us to die daily and surrender our life daily to God's path for us. Amen. 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 Um, so, yeah, I think we're a little over time, so we probably should wrap it up um now unless you guys have any other thoughts no i think that's i think that's it thank you so much hope everybody watched was blessed and yeah if you have friends who have been impacted by any of these things maybe this would be a great video to share with others and hope help give them hope yeah amen amen and just like you guys are saying you know um 
God loves us and he's you know, our great healer and there's nothing too hard for him that, you know, he doesn't understand. He doesn't see, he doesn't, you know, he cares. And um, mm-hmm. Jesus understands um, better than anybody. So we just want to give you all hope and, and um, encourage you that, you know, God does love you. And if you've gone through anything difficult or hard or, you know, something that you just feels broken, you, God wants to mend you and, and make you whole again. Um, so let's mm-hmm. close tonight with a quick word of prayer. Um, our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for uh, this time we can spend in your word and just speaking together as uh, sons and daughters of God. Lord, I know that each person listening is valuable to you, that you love them, that you sent your son Jesus to die for them, that they would have salvation and eternal life. And Lord, um, Jesus says he gave himself up because of his great love for us. And so, Lord, we know that um, it is your desire and it is your will that we would all come to you and that you will never cast us out, but that you will accept us with open arms and give us that healing and that peace that you promised to each of us. Lord, we pray for forgiveness for where we've fallen short, and we pray that we can forgive others and find healing in the forgiveness that you empower us to give. And Father, we pray for um, your spirit to guide us and lead us into all truth, for we pray all these things in your son Jesus' merciful name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining um, us here live tonight. And again, if you have questions for that you'd like answered next week, um, at next week's show, be sure to go to our website, bibleask.org forward slash live, and we're more than happy to answer your questions. Have a great weekend and God bless you.